We can give you all praise and honor and glory. And we ask you, Lord, to shine your light into our hearts and souls and into our darkness today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this is a fabulous time at New Cove where we were able to be a blessing to the world. You know, we're blessed in order to bring a blessing. And out in the foyer afterwards, if you've not received $100, call New Cove your home per family, then you, we want to give you $100 to then give to whoever God would lead you to give to. And Marissa Springman has a story from last year. So uh, she told me earlier, she said that was a year ago. But I think she'll probably remember because when, when you see God using you to bless others, it's hard to forget that. So tell us your story, Marissa. Well, last year, first I had an onset of panic because I think this is the third time we've done it. Um, the first year, I couldn't think of anyone, so I was disappointed. Then um, last year, I didn't think we were doing it because we were in Omaha the week that they first brought it up. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, because I had someone I was so excited. I've been waiting for like three months because I had it figured out. So then um, the next Sunday we were here and Troy talked about it. I like beelined out of here and found, I think, uh, Zach. I was like, hey, how do I get, how do I get my hands on this? I'm so ready. Um, anyway. So the person that I did um, background, two summers ago, I went back to school, and it was one of my classmates. Um, she had recently moved to Nebraska, and um, they, she had twins that are a few months older than uh, my son. And after moving here with her spouses, to be close to her spouse's family, they unexpectedly got a divorce. So she's here with nobody, because her family is in Kansas, um, trying to raise these boys practically on her own, because her spouse has pretty, been pretty non-existent in their life. So going to school to get her teaching certificate, so doing her practicum hours, subbing on top of that, working a job on the weekend on top of that, trying to love and care for these boys as much as she possibly can. And um, I was having trouble finding balance with just one child and a supportive partner at home. Um, so I couldn't imagine what she's going through. So when, um, I was like, oh my gosh, the $100 would be perfect to, to, uh, try and bless her in some way. Um, however she saw fit. So, uh, put in a Christmas card, sent it to her and immediately this onset of like, oh my gosh, you know, thinking she's going to think I'm being offensive that, oh, I think she needs this money and she's going to take it the wrong way. Um, but it was the exact opposite. And she was so thankful, and um, she reached out to me immediately and said uh, she's so appreciative of the way that our church is stepping outside um, because she's not um, a believer. And um, she could still see the grace in it and the importance and thank the church for what we were doing. And um, But she took it a step farther and said actually more than the money, it was the words that accompanied, accompanied the gift because it um, kind of grounded her for this crazy season she never expected, where she's encountering the holidays, which are hard for people anyway, with all this stuff just punching her in the face. And um, so it was really humbling for me because it kind of put into perspective that you don't need money to 
bless people. I think it's, this is huge because finances are tricky. So if they're trickier for you and you have someone you want to bless, but you're having trouble on your own, having this opportunity from New Cove to step in and do that is amazing, but shows even just your words and that time, that recognition of the people around you, um, just to let them feel seen and heard and know that what they are doing matters because a lot of people don't hear that ever. You know, we don't hear as often as we should, but some people don't ever. So um, don't miss this chance if you have someone to to reach out and um, try and scoop up just a little bit. Thank you, yeah. Marissa. So for those of you that are joining us uh, online, you can also get $100. Just contact the church office, put a comment in whatever you're watching, and uh, we'll figure out how to get you that money that you can bless others. And if you're noticing the lights blinking a little bit, uh, if you notice me having a convulsion up here in a minute, um, it's a technical thing. You know, we've tried casting the demons out. That didn't seem to work. But we'll figure this thing out and uh, hope it's not too distracting. I've heard it's, it's more distracting on uh, watching online than it is in real life. Uh, so anyway, I, someone told me a story this week that I wanted to pass on. And I asked their permission, and they wanted to remain anonymous, so no names will be used here. It's a good story, by the way. And uh, so immediately after the service last week, they went out and got an envelope with $100 in it and uh, proceeded to go to a, a lot where they are trying to build a house. And they, they just wanted to see what the progress was last week. So they went to this house, and they saw... Someone in a backhoe working on Sunday. Well, the guy in this story gets out and goes up and knocks on the window of the, the guy with the backhoe. And he says, hey, I'm the guy that's owning the lot. Thank you for helping me. Uh, I'm curious. I didn't know you worked on Sundays. And the guy said, well, yeah, I, I have five children. One of them's like a month and a half old. And I, in order to provide for my family, I'm now working seven days a week. And he said, well, thank you for working and helping. Appreciate it. He went and got in the car, and then the Holy Spirit kind of prompted him. Like, I just got $100. I think I should go give it to him. So he goes back and knocks on the the door again and says, uh, hey, I go to church over here on 84th Street and... Part of what we're doing is uh, they're giving us money to pass on to people who seem to have a need, and I kind of think you might have a need. And And he said the guy just began to cry. Now, let me just stop there and say whether someone cries or not is not the point of whether it's a good gift, okay? So it's not like, well, I gave the gift and nobody cried. That's not the point. <laughs> the point is that he was generous and it touched this guy. And he, he told the guy, you know, we started going to this church when our kids were your kid's age. And you're welcome to come anytime you want, and it would be a blessing to you. Isn't that fabulous? Can you imagine the stories that are out there of, of how God might want to bring 
light into the darkness that we live in. And speaking of darkness, has anyone noticed the days are getting shorter? Well, I have some bad news to start with. On December 21st, the winter solstice, Lincoln will have nine hours and 14 minutes of sunlight. Now you might think, I think I'm going to go to Phoenix. Uh, Well, then in Phoenix, you'd have nine hours and 56 minutes. That's an improvement of 42 minutes. But I warn you not to go to Anchorage. Anchorage on the 26th, it will be five hours and 27 minutes of sunlight. That's a difference of three hours and 47 minutes. That's longer than your nap's going to be this afternoon. (laughs) Darkness, physical darkness in the world. And darkness is present in everybody's story. I think if we really knew one another's story today, now, there would be darkness in that story. Maybe there would be physical darkness. Maybe a a bad diagnosis, or maybe you're waiting to hear a report from a doctor here before Christmas, and that darkness. Maybe there's a certain disease you're dealing with, and it's like, man, this is tough, or some kind of disability. There's emotional darkness, The darkness that grief brings. I think in this time of year, the grief that we carry from losses just kind of gets highlighted and accentuated. Not to mention the anxiety that seems to be rampant in both young people and in older people. It's kind of like, well, there's this emotional darkness going on. There's relational darkness. We live in a cancel society. I can't tell you all the stories I hear of of people, instead of working out conflict, they just cancel one another out. And that's a dark, dark thing to be left alone, not to mention failed marriages or maybe the infertility that is there. Uh, Political darkness, do I need to say anything about that? Nationally, we have political darkness. Internationally, We have political darkness. And then there's moral darkness. Has anyone been disappointed by a leader that you know, either in whatever realm of life, that has made a poor moral choice? And and what about even knowing the difference between right and wrong? So I kind of want to say to all of us here, hello, darkness, my old friend. Here we are again. The darkness is there, but you know that's not the worst part. The worst part is the spiritual darkness. The people don't even know that there's anything else out there. That they've never heard that good news of what Jesus brought to the world. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. A spiritual darkness, a darkness that the evil one brings, and a darkness that is accompanied by all the other darkness that I've mentioned. 
Well, darkness has been a factor since Adam and Eve left the garden. In 740 B.C., which was several thousand years after Adam and Eve left the garden, 740 B.C., the people of God, their nation of Israel, had been split in half. The northern kingdom, the northern part of the people of Israel, the Assyrians had come and had taken them out. And the southern kingdom thought, we're next. And so you can hear the, the, the tumultuous sound that was reverberating in everyone's heart in that day. They had been defeated by the Assyrians and they thought that they were going to go all the way and take them. And during this time of darkness, God spoke to a young man named Isaiah. I don't know how this happened, but it's as though God gave Isaiah a peephole into something that was wonderful that lay in the future. And as a result of what he saw, he was constantly calling people back to trust God's promises and not rely on political solutions or alliances. This was 740 B.C. Does that sound familiar? The choice of trusting God or relying on political solutions or alliances? It was a time of fear and anxiety, dread and desperation regarding the the future. You know, today, 2,740 years later, We all struggle to trust God rather than to give in to fear. It's not new. Isaiah called on God's people to trust him even in the dark. Do you trust God in the dark? We all have heard of stories of children being afraid of the dark. And what about you and me? What do we do in the dark? Well, Isaiah had something to say about this. In Isaiah 50, 10 and 11, he wrote these words. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now, all you who light fires... And provide yourselves with flaming torches. Go, walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you've set ablaze. This is what you will receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. You see, life without God does not work. But we, just like those people in Isaiah's day, we find a way to light a torch, to light a light. Something that brings us comfort or relief. Something that that seems like we can solve this problem. We throw ourselves into that. We light the torch. And guess what? We get burned. Because trusting God in the dark is how life works for a follower of Jesus. I wish he would light... 15 steps ahead of me, he just lights one. 
just the next step. We'd all like to have it all planned out, wouldn't we? We kind of like to manipulate the story to where it fit our narrative that we wanted. But God just gives us one step at a time. And God gave Isaiah this vision for the people of his day. And here it is. It's familiar. Isaiah 9 verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Wow. And he goes on in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What he saw was that God had promised a Messiah, a Savior, a light, a hope. And the people of Israel, God's people, lived with that hope for 740 years until the time came for the promise to be fulfilled. Other prophets after Isaiah pointed to this same hope, a Messiah's coming. Sometimes it was very clear. Sometimes it was somewhat faint. But they kept pointing to the hope. I promise you I will deliver you from domination from your enemies. I am sending a Messiah. They held on to that. And then we know the story. That's why we're here today. In Luke 2, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. In the King James, it says, they were sore afraid. They were scared out of their wits. What's going on? The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's been, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they had, they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The light had arrived. The promised one was alive on planet Earth. Surprise. Hoped for yet unexpected. But a baby in a poor family surrounded with controversy. Behold, the light has arrived. And the light arrived as an infant. 
and then as a toddler, and then as a teenager, and then as a 20-something. And Luke put it this way as he's telling the story. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And when he was 30, the age of manhood in the Jewish culture, he emerged in public. The Messiah has come. And this is what Jesus said in John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And now listen to this next statement. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. What a challenge. What a gift. That whoever follows Jesus is not going to walk in darkness. As a follower, you never have to live in darkness with no hope. Though darkness and despair and no hope seems final, there is a way to face whatever the darkness is with light and hope because Christ lives in you as a follower. So here's the question. How can we live in a world filled with such darkness? Acts 27 tells the story of Paul and his companions sailing from the island of Crete on his way to Rome. It's a harrowing story filled with nautical details. They were adrift in a horrendous storm being violently battered for days. And Luke was with him and... Here's what Luke wrote in Acts 27, 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Reminds me of in the Divine Comedy, Dante's trilogy in the book The Inferno, The gate to hell, above the gate to hell, it says, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Have you ever been there? Have you ever given up hope? Let's get honest here. We've all been at that point at one time or another or many times. And the truth is we may give up on God. But he never gives up on us. We may let go of God, but God will never let go of us. Things may not not turn out like we want, but he will never leave us or forsake us. And from, from our point of view, the parts of our story, a lot of them don't have a good ending. However, God has promised to redeem every story for his glory and for our good. And Luke continues writing about this storm where all hope was abandoned. In verses 22 through 25, it says, Paul stood up before them and said, But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost 
Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, whom I serve stood behind me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. You can read the rest of the story in Luke 27 and see how it all turned out. But wow, a light came in the middle of their darkness in the storm. It was unexpected. And it tells me to look for the light, to wait for the light. The one who promised is faithful. They didn't drown. God had a purpose that we glorify him and be good for them. That's the purposes of God. And in your darkest moments, when you have given up and let go, God has a plan for your good and his glory. And it may not be the plan you want. But you can trust him in the dark. Writing to Romans, Paul wrote these words. And I'm sure this experience in the boat and many other of his experiences kind of came to bear in his understanding of this. He said, I consider that our present struggle, present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Life's not devoid of suffering. Suffering's the standard normal thing outside the, the garden. And we're groaning. It's dark, but the light is coming. The light is coming. In verse 22, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. The earth we live on is groaning. It's broken. But the light is coming. In verse 23, he says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly and wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Grown inwardly, wait eagerly. And so here's the question How can we live in a world filled with such darkness? The answer is, groan inwardly and wait eagerly. See, we're we're waiting to see how God might show up in our story. Like he did in Luke's story in the shipwreck. Like he did in Isaiah's story. Like he did in Paul's story time and again. We're waiting to see God show up. We're also waiting for Jesus to come back. He said he's coming back. And when he comes back, wow, the earth's going to be healed. We're going to get new bodies. It's going to be a restart, only better. 
He's present with us now. He's not forsaken us. He is the light of the world. We groan because we hate the darkness, and so does he. We wait eagerly because God is going to show up. If somehow this talk has hooked you, there's a book called Shattered Dreams by one of my favorite authors, Larry Crabb. And he goes through the book of Ruth and looks at the shattered dreams in Ruth and sees how God, the light of God, came into the world. I lost a brother, my only sibling, in March. And I was dealing with some other things. And if you've lost a relative, a parent, a grandparent, you know how easy it is just to put stuff off. Just put the grieving aside. Just go on with the next thing. Well, that next thing kind of became heavy for me. And I realized that I had some work to do. And so through New Cove, we offered a course in the fall called the Journey Group. And this is a group where you sit and think about whatever is bugging you. And you're in a, a safe circle with folks. And you listen to their story and you tell your story. And somewhere in that, that several-month process... My groans turned to praises, and I feel like I was able to get past that part of grief. And I think this spring we're going to offer the journey group again. And if somehow your inner groans, you you know, you just can't quite get rid of them, you can't find your way out of them, I'd encourage you to, to sign up for the journey group when it's offered this spring. Well, I want to end this message on Jesus is the light of the world. The way a guy named Dr. Tony Campalo ended a talk. I was coming back from a retreat with car. It was actually a station wagon load of college students. It kind of tells you how long ago that was. And it had a cassette player. And I had this tape that I don't know where I got it by Dr. Tony Campalo. And so I said to the people in the car, hey, let's listen to this. So I, their eyes rolled, of course. And I, I pushed it in. But I'll tell you, they came alive. They were laughing. It was inspiring to them. The name of the talk was, uh, it's uh, Friday, but Sunday's coming. And you can find it on YouTube. It's 56 minutes of pure delight, and he's extremely intense. But I want to end my talk the way he ended his talk. And I'm sorry I do not do him justice, right? But here's the point. Jesus is the light of the world. His talk is, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus was nailed dead on a cross but Sunday's coming it's Friday Mary's crying her eyes out because her Jesus is dead but Sunday's coming it's Friday the disciples are running around like sheep without a shepherd 
but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate is washing his hands, strutting around because he thinks he's got all the power and all the victory. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. People are saying, as things have been, so they shall be. You can't change anything in the world. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Satan is doing a jig saying, I control the whole world. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The temple veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. The earth shook. The rock split. The tombs opened. And the centurion screamed in fear. Truly, he is the son of God. But Sunday's coming. It's Sunday. The angel, like dazzling lightning, rolled the stone away, exclaiming, He is not here. He is risen. And for us today, in whatever whatever darkness you find yourself in, it's Friday. But... Say it with me. Sunday's coming. And folks, that is the good news. Thank you, Jesus. Let the worship band come up. I failed to bring them up. I'll pray while they're coming. Lord, how can we say thank you for your light? When I think of what all of our lives would be if we didn't have you, it would be so dark. We'd be so hopeless and depressed. And Lord, as we fight through even that hopelessness and depression, may we groan inwardly and wait eagerly for you because you are the promised one and you promised you would never fail us, leave us, or forsake us. And for that, we're grateful. Thank you, Jesus, that you went through Friday so that we could have Sunday. We praise you in your name. Amen.